<laughs> you said we All have right. uh, we have listener comment. Yeah, it's been a busy week for Peace Apps, y'all. One of our older videos or clips, I should say, from a previous episode that I posted a few months ago. Oh, you suddenly, were telling me about this. Yeah, just suddenly it just, just took off. Lost Saucer. Suddenly people are like going, you know what? Jim Neighbors and Ruth Buzzy is what the world needs right now. <laughs> <laughs> and it's really crazy to look at the – I may put up a screenshot of this of the the – the algorithm just suddenly is like all of a sudden YouTube realized, Oh, I didn't see you there. <laughs> let me, wow, let me show you to random. some people. And the, the graph just goes like, it was, it was doing okay over time. It was, it wasn't like flatlining or anything, but it was very slowly getting views. And then around, after around 200 something views, all of a sudden it was just last week. He goes, <laughs> what do you think <laughs> that was? What do you think that was? I don't really understand how YouTube works, but it just right. took a long time. I mean, for I, it obviously to figure it out. it's so niche that weirdly, it would appeal to people that just aren't being aren't being serviced for their nostalgia needs where they're like going, Oh my God, I remember that too. And yeah. I'm sure on YouTube, which has everybody in the world on it, there are probably other people that have done like, yeah, let's talk about far out space. nuts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But every now and then I guess it's just like, Hey, 50 year olds, we, we got you. We got yeah. you. Here's this salvage one. No one remembers Salvage One. Well, these two guys do. And some people in the comments remember it. it that's the, the thing that's amazing me. Um, well, I mean, I, I think that's great. It does mean that we're not <laughs> we're not alone, that yeah, uh, exactly. the, the TV raised us and uh, uh, all the stuff stays lodged in our brains. Yeah. yeah so we, have, we have a comment from Callie. It says, I loved all these shows. Salvage One really deserved a longer run. It had so much potential. If this show came back today, since, you know, there is no originality in television anymore, yeah. I'm sure it would have lasted for years. Um, well, it maybe. is a cool concept. It really, it really is. is. And, yeah. and actually now, I mean, the seventies, there was plenty of junk up in space, but now you see those like uh NASA uh, graphs where you see just how much clutter we have filled that. I mean, yeah. Salvage one could work. Yeah. Oh, we also got corrected. Somebody corrected us that Sid and Marty Croft are still alive. <laughs> so I know, because then I'd say they've been long dead. I'm really surprised by that. But the, I did read that comment because that person said, um, listen to their appearance on the Gilbert Gottfried. Which you, that podcast that you had plugged. Yeah, it's great. Oh, I love that podcast and RIP to Gilbert Gottfried. Yeah. His enthusiasm for the obscurities uh, and for the stuff of his time frame, which is a little before ours. But I mean, talk about a lover of classic monster films and horror and sci-fi. He loved that stuff. And yes, like he was not there to make fun of Sid and Marty Croft. He was like, just he and his uh, co-host were full in on like, just tell us these stories. And I did listen to that episode. I don't know why I thought they were dead. I thought maybe they had passed after that episode. Well, you said it in passing, which was funny. It was just it just sounded like a, a flipping comment you you make. Not only are they not long dead. <laughs> no, and I'm very There's happy to hear that. I hope they're they're living their best yeah. whatever yeah. Uh, lives because they did. I mock that stuff certainly, and it's not good. But it was great. It's a weird thing to say that stuff wasn't good, but it was great. Because mm-hmm. I watched all of it. I watched Lidsville. I watched HR Puff and stuff. I watched Land of the Lost. Are you kidding me? 
And it was it was I'm cool to hear. Still, the world's biggest Electra Woman and Dinah Girl fan, and Bigfoot and Wild Boy. Come on. Yeah, and those a lot of those shows I need to catch up on because some of the stuff I only vaguely remembered. I don't know if I ever saw Lidsville as a kid. Um, it's trippy I, as fuck. Things I didn't quite remember. Like I remembered the name HR Puff Puff and, Puff and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and Bugaloo's definitely rang a bell, but it wasn't until I actually sat down and watched it. I was like, oh, yeah. Well, actually, I will say, uh, given our ages, um, mm-hmm. that HR Puff and stuff and Lidsville um, and uh, Bugaloo's, they're kind of still too early for us. They're more my brothers, like four or five years. We were coming up when they were like doing the Croft Super Show, which is where yeah. all these other shows came from. Those were still sort of like late sixties, early seventies yeah. when we won't really remember. But right. did I watch or see? Yeah, I saw plenty of reruns. The Bugaloos, yeah. the Bugaloos, they're in the air and everywhere, flying high, flying mm-hmm. free. Like I remember the stuff. HR Puff and stuff with the magic flute that talked. God. That's the main thing I remember. I was like, oh yeah, the flute. You know, because yeah. I totally remember little that. Jimmy and the 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 magic flute, and they go to uh, HR Puff and Stuff's world. Uh, and I love the way and Godfrey brought it up. He's like, going, "Come on, you guys had to be on drugs. You had to be on crazy drugs." <laughs> and and they're and they're like, "No, everyone accused us of that because they copied sort of that op art." crazy 60s design stuff very peter max when they designed the puppets and the suits um and it is meant to be high fantasy weird kitty fantasy that tied into the 60s but they're like going we get it puffing stuff sounds like a drug reference all this mm-hmm. stuff, magic flutes and all this they're like no man we were so straight they're like we were in our 30s and we were wearing business suits to work every day and we mm-hmm. those guys but there and this was this made so much sense when they, they talked about how Wizard of Oz, the film Wizard of Oz, mm-hmm. had such a huge. It, that, that explains almost everything if you think yeah, about it. Yeah, pretty much. You know, that was like their their Beatles moment when they saw that movie. I mean, and they had their own version of the Wicked Witch. You had Witchy Poo, and and it's all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I I do. I remember so much of that. And um, there was a uh. A, a compilation in the 90s, uh, like a, a CD that was called, I think, Saturday Morning's Greatest Hits, where they had alt rock bands of the 90s and people like the Ramones, you know, people who'd been around, cover classic kids' uh, TV show themes. Uh, and I think someone did cover the Bugaloos and I think HR Puff and stuff. One of my favorites was the Ramones doing the Spider-Man cartoon theme was great. Oh, that's right. After uh, yeah, totally. And who was it? Was it the Reverend Horton Heat did a combo of uh, the theme song to Johnny Quest and Stop That Pigeon? Maybe. <laughs> Stop that pigeon. Stop that pigeon. Stop that pigeon. Sorry. What, is, what is that from? That's from, uh, I think, The Adventures of Penelope Pitstop, where you had, uh, what's his name, Dastardly and Muttley. Oh. And they were trying to stop a carrier pigeon who was sort oh, of, yeah, a, yeah. it was like World War One based or it was like a period thing. So the, okay. the pigeon had like a little flying cap on with the goggles 
and they were just trying to stop it because they were the enemy forces and that had um it does ring a bell now man that is that that's going way back that's pre-wacky races uh because i think basically they yeah. reused penelope pit stop and and uh dastardly and muttley um to to make them characters in that wow wow i'm sorry everybody <laughs> the old man needs to be put I, I need to be put down for a nap <laughs> <laughs> i need to be fed my applesauce and put down for a long nap but it, it, tying it, mentioning Lidsville, tying it back to Charles Nelson Riley. Uh, when I saw that, I was like, <laughs> "What do you say?" I never don't remember the show at all. And then I saw that he was in it. I was like, "Oh my god!" So, uh, but, yeah, he was the token adult person. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he somebody somebody in the comments mentioned you how know who the kid was. By the way, was. you know who the kid was? Yeah, Butch Patrick. Yeah, yeah there you go, Butch From Patrick, uh, yeah. Eddie Munster. Yeah, yeah. Um, but somebody mentioned, I think the person who, who mentioned it to me said that, that yeah, that was to, the production of that was tough because they had to turn the AC off in the studio right. when they were filming. So it got really, really tough for people who were in costume and makeup. But uh, Charles spoke very fondly. I, I didn't watch the interview. I read about it, uh, that he spoke very fondly of, of being on that show. That was, you know, he was kind of proud. I of heard an interview with Butch Patrick great. on, uh, maybe it was WTF, weirdly, but it was a podcast. And uh, and I think someone did ask him about what it was like being, cause he was a preteen at that point. This was post Munsters. And they're like, what was it like working with Charles Nelson Riley? And they were being snarky and they're like, going, oh, was he inappropriate? He goes, well, some of the humor I didn't get. He goes, I will say that, um, and he, he goes, 18, actually. I recall. Oh, okay. So yeah, yeah, he was totally 18. He goes, mm-hmm. and I, he go, wasn't inappropriate. But there was something he used to do that would drive him insane, which was he would sneak up behind him and do like a bear hug, like lift him off the ground and go, oh, I got you. And he goes, and it's like, he goes, I didn't think he was being um, inappropriate. It was just sort of like, cut it out, man. Just cut it out. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I'm a cute teenage boy, but stop like grabbing me from behind going, I got you. <laughs> also, did you ever watch Uncle Croc's block? Speaking of CNR, I saw someone call him CNR and the and I was like, yeah, I, CNR. I, I started doing that after I saw that. I was like, yeah, it's easier to type. No, I don't remember that. What is that? Uncle Croc's block was post Lidsville. It was actually closer to our post like it was Lidsville. 70. <laughs> Like post punk, I think. I think it was also Sid and Marty Cross. Post modern, but uh, no, it was filmation. Because uh, I actually I looked okay. it up while we were talking, um, and but it was the same thing. It was on Saturday mornings, and what it was different from it wasn't in a fantasy world or something. It was a parody of kid shows. So Charles Nelson Riley is playing a host of a kid show, and it's called Uncle Croc's Block, and he's in a crocodile outfit. His hat is like the the mouth of the crocodile, but his face is right here with his big glasses. And what was funny about it was it's still aimed at kids, but it's also making fun of kid shows. So it actually worked in some satirical barbs. And he would be like the host who would be like, coming up next is a cartoon. I can't be bothered to watch, you know, and then it'd be like, then they he goes, was that good? I don't even know. So it was a little, not edgy, but it was smarter, I'd say, than the stuff he'd been doing before. I hope he enjoyed Uncle Croc's block. I think it only lasted like a season, but I remember watching it. Yeah. But it just seems like he's just... By the way, folks, uh, I never left the house. (laughs) As a child, I never left the house. I mean, the man, plus, 
think about his 70s. His 70s meant half the time he was dressed as an alligator uh, or a crocodile, and then the other half he was dressed as a big banana. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I just imagine him walking out of a trailer going, which one am I today? Am I the crocodile or the banana? <laughs> Where do I go? <laughs> am I yellow or green today? <laughs> um, um, okay, so our long, this uh, switching subjects here, yeah. this is our long-term viewer. Uh, I'm, I'm going to mangle his the pronunciation of his name. I'm sorry. I, I think it's uh, Manisvin or Manasvin. Please correct me. I, I apologize for that. But he says, I recently started reading 2000 AD from the very beginning. Wow. Uh, in other words, Prague won. And so far, I'm loving it. Only 2,500 something more issues to go. Yeah. I mean, literally, uh, that's what I was about to ask. If someone has just started reading 2000 AD, does that mean you've gone back to literally the 1970s? And if you have, Jesus, Lord. So, briefly, why don't you tell the audience, because I'm not even familiar with this. I knew that you Oh, would. 2000 AD is because uh, British comics, um, basically, what we consider the renaissance of American comics in the 1980s, yes, we had plenty of great American creators that were boosting it. Clearly, you had, you know, a Frank Miller and people like that, even George Perez and Marv Wolfman and people like that. But... Um, but what really boosted us was all those Brits coming over, um, getting a taste of the American market because they, uh, a lot of them came up in the punk years and were fans of American comics. When they started making their own stuff in Britain, it was in the 70s and they were clearly saying, we're not bound because it's the British market. We're not bound to American comics code. So British comics had plenty of stuff for kids but in the late 60s early 70s they're like "Ooh, we can be as raw as we want and we can be as cynical and we can be as intelligent as we want and a lot of it was sci-fi based a lot of it was very um dystopian future which given that we were they were in the margaret thatcher years makes a lot of sense so um so 2000 ad was one of the it's like the british heavy metal in a way, though it was black and white, uh, had color covers, and it was where a lot of the huge names got their starts, like Alan Moore and so forth. Um, Brian Bowen, the amazing artist that did such amazing stuff here, was over there at the time doing things like Judge Dredd. So uh, 2000 AD is where Judge Dredd comes from. I see. And, and he was probably their biggest breakthrough because it was an anthology. Where you get, uh, you know, here's a Judge Dredd story. Here's a Strontium dog story. Here's a Nemesis the Warlock story. Uh, they're really great, grungy, black and white, tough, not for kids uh, comics. And they've lasted all this while, primarily because they did launch some big names and some big characters so 2000 ad uh to our listener um uh the good on you man because i've never had the courage or the time to do that i've always dipped in i've read collections i've read the uh, i've read random issues i even just through life have a few random actual ones because they were on the newsprint 
they were they didn't even have slick covers like American comics. They're tall. They're like uh, at least back in the classic years, um, almost like a, a newspaper fold-in thing. So I have some original 2000 AD stuff that is in no sequential order, just random stuff. Um, but yeah, I respect the hell out of it because it's hugely awesome and influential. V for Vendetta, for instance, also started over there in 2008. No, it was in Warrior. Sorry, which was like 2008. Oh, interesting. So in other words, when, when Alan Moore came over, they're like, hey, you want to finish that up here under the DC banner? We'll give you money. And he got his same, uh, David Lloyd, his same cartoonist that was doing it in Britain. It was like, yeah, can I finish it with my pal? And they're like, sure. You want it in color? He's like, color? <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, I love that stuff. And I appreciate what an influence it had. Yeah. And if you're reading it from the beginning, like you said, you've got a long way to go because yeah. it's run unbroken. Maybe I think it did shut down for a little bit, but it's back now, 2018. So he asked uh, specifically, do, do you have any favorite progs or stories from the series? From the, I mean, eh, I, I kind of named them. I, and yeah. uh, I will say to that, uh, 2000 AD finally got on the, hey, let's put together compilations bandwagon. Judge Dredd has always been published, but usually through a partnership with American publishers. So, but they started their own publishing branch and they started putting out like collections of, I did love Strontium Dog. Um, Nemesis the Warlock, I remember mainly just because of the visual, but I didn't really latch on that story. There was also, uh, crap, ABC Warriors is another one. But Judge Dredd, how could that not be your favorite? I still love Judge Dredd. The concept alone and the fact that it's Brits taking the piss out of Americanism, you know, because Mega City One is essentially North America as one big city. Judge Dredd is an American character, so they're clearly satirizing us, and it's great. So, I mean, is that the dumbest answer? Yes. The most <laughs> obvious answer? Yes. <laughs> Judge Dredd is my favorite out of 2018. There were two, two attempts to make movies out of that, right? There were two. Yeah, yeah, and the first was um, horribly conceived. I think that's the one I saw. It had it had Sylvester Stallone in it, right? Mm -hmm. The first one. That's the only thing I remember at the movie. The thing I remember about it was two things. One is he looked good as the character. The problem is he took his helmet off. One of the things about Judge Dredd in the comics, you have never seen his face. He never takes it off. Some of the other judges, yes. But no, never dread. And that's one of the whole things is he is so into his job. It basically never takes the helmet off. And in the movie, it's Salone going, no, they paid to see this face. So that helmet's <laughs> off like 80. And plus the story's dumb. Uh, and I also remember there's a classic Judge Dredd um, catchphrase, which is I am the law. With Stallone's slurred delivery, <laughs> he does it in the movie. He's like, I am the law. And I always, in my brain, I hear it as the name of the French actor, Alain Delon. <laughs> <laughs> Alain Delon! Like, that's a weird thing for Judge Dredd to be shouting. Um, and it had Rob Snyder in it. He was like the comic relief in Judge Dredd. Jesus, God. Oh, yeah. Whew. I yeah. remember that now, too. But yeah. the sequel, not the sequel. Oh, well, I'm sorry. I, I apologize to everyone involved. It was not a sequel. The second film was good. They didn't have the budget, but they knew the comic. And that is really great. Just called Dread. 
and people accused it of ripping off the movie The Raid, and I'm like, they were being made around the same time, but yes, Judge Dredd has to work his way up an apartment block building, fighting his way all the way up, because everyone in it is essentially a criminal, or there's like assassins and so forth. That was budgetary, like, it's still futuristic, but we don't have to show the outside world, it's just him making his way through that building. But Oh, Carl Urban is totally in on being Judge Dredd, never takes the fucking helmet off, never smiles. That is not what Judge Dredd does. And I can't remember the name of the actress who played Judge Anderson, who's the psychop, his like partner in it, but she's really good too. Cool. There you go. There's Brendan on Judge Dredd. Um, and yeah, good good luck to you reading all 2000 AD. Let us know when you're finished and um just contact me at the home. Uh, I'm sure the helpers will, will, uh, this is from a, a former fan of your podcast. He said he finished 2008. Oh, I'm so glad. That's nice. Bring me my sippy cup. Yeah. Then I, died. I just needed to hear that. Oh, <laughs> all right. So anyway, uh, thank you everybody for your comments. We may make yes. this a regular part of the show. If we get enough I, I of them. I love like, um, hearing from you guys and then having things to talk about because otherwise it's just me and Chad going blah, 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 blah. Yeah. You are on this by the way. Cause I, I still love the way you've organized this. I'm doing a shout out to my partner here because, uh, for the listeners, uh, watchers, he puts all the work in. I show up and I do the jibber jabber and uh, it's Chad. If you see cool graphics or cutaways or edits or the theme song, it's all him. I'm just the guy who's like, (laughs) which is something I'm known for. It's kind of embarrassing when you're walking down the street and people are going, it's the guy. And I'm like, yeah, it's me. (laughs) Here it blocks away. Here he comes. (laughs) (laughs) 